This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to be joined by writers Lauren Shukerblum and Rebecca Angelo to talk about their latest movie, Dumb Money. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I have been lucky to interview a lot of people this year for SlashFilm, but none of them better matched the energy of the film that they wrote than these two, the screenwriters of Dumb Money. And as you'll hear from the conversation, they were regularly so excited to talk about this movie that they would finish each other's sentences. Their energy I found to be very infectious, and I thought their whole sort of approach to the way that they talked about this movie aligned very well with the way that their script and director Craig Gillespie and his editors presented the chaos of the GameStop stock story for the big screen. They've worked together for more than a decade, and you can tell they have a shorthand and the same uh, clarity of vision, really, when it comes to the projects that they're working on. Most of this conversation is spent talking about dumb money and things like the challenges of writing characters who never meet each other and how they had to beat out other GameStop projects that were floating around the industry. But near the end, we also get into some of their upcoming projects like Cruella 2, a Murder, She Wrote film, and a movie that they're working on that currently has Phil Lord and Chris Miller attached to direct. So yes, this is going to be, I think, the last interview for a little while, um, but I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Lauren Shucker-Blum and Rebecca Angelo. And just a note, Lauren's is the first voice that you'll hear after mine. Enjoy. First of all, congratulations on the movie. Um, I remember a swirl of projects being announced or rumored almost in real time as the GameStop phenomenon was yes. happening. So yes, us too. Yeah. <laughs> so Lauren, like at, at what point in that process did you two get hired to write this? And then what kind of pressure were you under to earn in drafts quickly to beat these other projects to market? Great question. Uh, right, well, the swirl began. We were definitely hired after the swirl because we were very aware of like. Yeah. And all of this happened in such an attenuated time frame, right? Like the, the primary events of the story took place in January and February of 2021. 
Hollywood discovered it. I think we were also like in the middle of a pandemic where everybody was just like, what the fuck is going on? And like just massive hurting events happening, just people getting super excited and going all in on, on something. This story in its roughest outlines, you understand why it's catnip for Hollywood because it is a story about, it's a David and Goliath story. It's a story about the little guy, or in this case, thousands or even millions of little guys coming together and notching a meaningful yes. victory. Um, Hollywood loves an underdog story. Yes. And then we were, um, you know, we were approached by MGM and we had obviously been following the story. We were like, we, we wanted to write something about it. And it felt lucky that they came to us. Uh, we have and- a little, we have a little um, like truism about our career, which is there. There's no one we idolize more than Aaron Sorkin, and and <laughs> you know we we have found ourselves in the lucky position of being kind of uh, second choice to him. So so <laughs> like with other projects, you know, this one went to Sorkin first when MGM got the rights to Ben Mesrick's book, and um, you know, anytime there's something that we're really really excited about, we just have to hope that it's not quite good mm-hmm. enough for Sorkin. So, so so MGM came to us and they were like, all right, you're hired as long as Aaron Sorkin passes. Yeah. So we waited for that. <laughs> um, and then uh, we were sort of told, you know, I think we were partially, you know, we were screenwriters, but we, we were reporters and daily journalists uh, in a different lifetime. For the Wall Street Journal, investigative reporters. 12 years journal. ago. So writing this, we wore two hats, right? Our like daily journalist hat. And like we got a draft very, very quickly. And then we also had our screenwriter hat on. We were kind of told, like, are right, this as fast as humanly possible, but also make it perfect because it has to beat out these other projects. Yes, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're doing it as fast as possible and also aiming for perfection at the same time. <laughs> so was you mentioned Ben Mesrick's book? Was that helpful for you two at all when writing the screenplay, or because that was written? For a different medium, yeah. did you kind of feel like yeah. you were on your own in a way? Ben is like the fastest pen in the West. <laughs> he really is. And he's an extraordinarily generous and lovely um, uh, collaborator. Yeah. Yeah. So we, thought, we we had his book, I think, by March or April, like the whole book. Um, and we also were emailing with him. Uh, and so that was very useful. And I think the structure of Ben's book was an ensemble. And we thought that was a great way into the story. Yeah, but, it was a key early decision that that Ben came to. And when we saw it, we were like, yes, that is the right way to approach this. Um, and there were characters like obviously Roy and Kitty was the center of Ben's book. Um, and uh, America Ferrer's character is based on a character in Ben's book. A wonderful woman named Kim, who we've gotten to know, who is at our New York premiere. And then, of course, you know, we went off and did our thing, which was to talk to dozens of retail traders, people on, on Wall Street Bets and on Reddit, and also to talk to dozens of people in the well, world of finance. And the thing was, right, is that the story went on far past when Ben finished his book. So we sort of had no choice but to do that. And we talked about it, you know, that writing this screenplay was like getting on a roller coaster, like halfway through the ride. And, you know, there was the fallout from the the hearings for, you know, that, that Congress did. There was the SEC investigation. You know, all these things that were happening in the, in the wake of GameStop. There's even been like policy change that happened. Yeah. One thing that was like really exciting out. and gratifying is, is that, you know, after the GameStop saga happened, there was lots of hand wringing in Washington about how to prevent something like this from happening again and how to control the practice of shorting or at least in, influence the practice of shorting so that it is a little bit less predatory. And Gary Gensler from the SEC had vowed to like make Wall Street more transparent in the wake of what happened with GameStop. And yeah. then 
one week after our wide release, the SEC did a major policy change um, requiring hedge funds like the ones depicted in our our um, our movie to be much more transparent with much more frequency about their short position. Anyway, so that's all I'll say. The story just is continuing. And so we did a ton of research. And one of the challenges was figuring out where to end the movie, right? Because yeah. the story is ongoing and you've seen other stocks kind of step into this and, you know, in terms of people going nuts. Yeah. Wow. So how different is the final movie from the draft that you handed in like right before production began? Not that different, honestly. Like we, you know, we slapped the title on the movie uh, on our first draft and it somehow survived so many different voices in the room and, you know, went from MGM to, to independent financing to Sony um, yeah, and many of like the music cues are the same. With- I think when we got into the project, the 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 like the question that loomed largest was how is this in dialogue but different from the big short? Um, obviously, there's a lot of common DNA, and Lauren and I spent a lot of time studying this movement and 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 looking at not just the great financial films, um, but also the work of Frank Capra and kind of the tradition of populist cinema. And 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 the idea that we had was um, where the great financial films were kind of told from the top down of like the geniuses in the world of finance who saw something before others did, at least in the case of The Big Short, this is really a grassroots movement. This is a bottom up story. And so we wanted to find a device or some sort of um, a screenwriting technique that we could use to bring an audience through the more complicated aspects of the story without, you know, I mean, McKay already did Margot in a bathtub. <laughs> right. And what we found was, you know, these concepts seem so opaque and impossible to understand, but actually what was happening and what fueled this movement was that regular people were explaining these things to each other on social media. And we thought like, what is a more radical Capra-esque gesture than to elevate a dashed off TikTok from a college student board during the pandemic to the stuff of cinema? So from the first draft of the script, and obviously it evolved, but we, Lauren and I put together, we we compiled and watched mm-hmm. every TikTok, every YouTube video, every like meme and GIF we could find and wrote and like transcribed and wrote them into the script right alongside monologues to be delivered by America Ferrera and Paul Dano. Um, and so that was a cool... Um, yeah, so all those TikToks in the movie are real. Yeah. We also, I think part of why the script didn't change that much was this is a movie about people who don't meet, mm-hmm. are never going to meet, and are never in the same room. It's the least cinematic mm-hmm. setup for a film, so, even though like emotionally and energy-wise, it's, a, it's yeah. a great story. So because of that, it... You know, in order to kind of write an emotional story about people who don't meet, we had to make the script like really painstaking and detailed in terms of the transitions. And it's like, you know, it's a French braid, essentially. And so we have characters who are arguing across scenes, right? So one character says something and then another character in a new scene in a different part of the country, right, finishes that sentence. And Craig, to his credit, like really preserved that technique. And so we literally, you know, the beginning of the film, you see... Paul Dano's character running on the track and you see that, you know, you see Seth Rogen's character, the Wall Street guy, also running through his mansion. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Craig preserved exactly the cuts we wrote into the screenplay um, in order yeah. to preserve these dialogues. It was important to us that the movie have an anthemic quality because this really is about an army massing and we want it. We, you know, it, it's it's funny that it took place or not funny, but but it, it, it makes a lot of sense that it took place during COVID because that was a time of like viral spread, but also the spread of ideas that mapped in a very similar way. And so we tried to render on screen that feeling of how something gain steam, how people come into a movement, how it builds and builds. And those kind of techniques that Lauren was just describing, mm-hmm. the running, the running, the fin- beginning of thought and then finishing it, the emotional connections and like the passion and the antagonism that builds between people who are never in the same room, never well, in the same state. And even the kind of connection like right now we're talking to you on Zoom, we can, we can like make eye contact. You know, we wanted to build a moment like you have in like an old Western where you have your hero and your villain face off. And so we built that through a screen when we have Seth Rogen like stare into Paul Dano's eyes, Paul, you know, stare into Rowan Kitty's eyes and say like, who is this schmuck? Yeah, it's yeah. this incredibly like emotional moment, but it's through. And it screen. sets up like a, like a, you know, two gunslingers preparing for a duel, <laughs> but it's mediated by a screen. Um, so I, you mentioned Craig, and I know that you guys are supposed to be reuniting with him for Cruella too. And I imagine reuniting. Can't. We're never we, Craig never this, gets far from us. He, behind you is our, is our <laughs> Cruella two script that we're working on right now. So I, I'm guessing you probably can't tell me much about that. But what can you tell me about how you're going to continue that story? I think, yeah, I mean that Craig found and Tony McNamara who wrote the first one with with other collaborators found an extraordinary tone I mean it is a tight rope to take an anti-hero like that and and make her the star of a of a Disney franchise um and we are super honored to be stepping into the the next phase of that and working with Craig to make her as wicked as wickedly funny to honor the DNA and the history of it and also to bring her to even greater heights and yeah. and new adventures. I feel like our only mandate there is just to like you know let Corella be as yeah. Corella as possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have to ask you, I, I believe you're writing a Murder, She Wrote movie. So yes, what yes. can you tell me about your take you on- talk more on, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah bringing a little that bit to more. Like a, a modern audience. That yeah. has been like the love of our lives for the last couple of years. We were both kids who were like suburban kids who just grew up watching Murder, She Wrote and, and anything and, else that broadcast TV. And I think we, we always credit like curious women like Jessica Fletcher for why we became journalists initially, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been really fun to take a character who was constrained by the limits of broadcast television in the 80s and 90s. You know, she's not allowed to have too much depth. She's not allowed to have an emotional arc. She's certainly not allowed to make mistakes. And to imagine in the in in, you know, in 2023, the possibilities of that character. So the, you know, we would never dishonor Jessica Fletcher. In fact, the opposite. We have watched every episode mm-hmm. two or three times. Like we know the ins and outs of that character and Cabot Cove. And the idea is to render that um in three dimensions it worthy of um, you know, movie theater screens, yes. a real event that people are gonna put on their cardigans, hopefully, and go see. Yes. Cabot Cove will be a big part of it. And Jessica, you know, yeah. all the kind of like fan favorites. Amazing. Um, so you're also attached to a movie version of The Premonition, a pandemic story. And kind of yes. like, you know, we were talking about the pandemic a little bit earlier, but like from my perspective, it seems like society kind of wants to forget about the pandemic and basically yes. pretend that it never happened. So does that provide a challenge for you guys? As yes. A- so it is. Like. <laughs> we, 
as as people who are who were reporters we grew up worshiping michael lewis i feel like our whole like the theme of today is like you know we just we're in the moment we're like as the characters of, of dumb money would say holy fucking shit yes. <laughs> like we how did we get i think we've gotten to work with all like a lot of our heroes right we, or like right you know let's go fletcher we're like adopting a michael lewis book like that was a lifelong career dream um and he's extraordinary, but it is, yeah, I think everything you said holds true. And, you know, that book features some incredible characters. And also, like, I agree with you. Nobody wants to talk about the pandemic. I don't think we really want to talk about the pandemic. We certainly don't want to, like, live in that world. But as with Dumb Money, as with any project we do, what we're actually looking for is an emotional story and a human connection with these characters. And not just with the main character, but with every character that we're rendering on screen. So your antagonist, your peripheral characters, they all need to be dimensional. And they all need to have a real strong, like, human pull to them. And so it was a challenge with Dumb Money because this is an essentially a pandemic story. I mean, this is not a story that happens without people being locked in their homes, mm-hmm. feeling so isolated and so small and and finding this outlet to come together and to become part of something bigger than themselves. And every scene in Dumb Money touches on the pandemic in some way, even though we don't use the word COVID. And the thing mm-hmm. about the definition is that it 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 is about at its very essence, seeing something coming that nobody else sees, the very notion of a premonition. And I think that is really sticky, really timeless. And at the same time, so it feels so urgent right now um, where people are waving their hands and screaming about climate change, waving their hands and screaming and feeling like they're just shouting into a void. And so that idea feels like something that we can hook into and and get really excited about and and write a lord and miller movie um that that maybe isn't like into the nitty-gritty of like social distancing it's also an extraordinary story about people who think differently and that's what we are drawn to again charity dean one of the greatest characters of all time. Yeah, and and not dissimilar from Warren Kitty and from other true stories that we've adapted for for the screen, where this is an outsider, this is a misunderstood person, this is an underdog, this is a reluctant leader um, who finds themselves, you know, in extraordinary circumstances and forced to rise to the challenge. But it is it is a challenge. I think as screenwriters, we are we're drawn to that. Like if someone's like, "Well, this is impossible," we're like running yeah. to do it. Um, and particularly stories that I think don't necessarily seem cinematic from the outset, we're attracted to the challenge of how to kind of translate that for the screen and go back to, you know, historic works like, you know, the Capra films and look at how how do we update these things. For it also time. just explains why we've been doing this for 11 years mm-hmm. and could like paper the walls of this room with with scripts that haven't gotten made and why Dumb Money is like our first movie. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing how you all pull it off because uh, I'm excited to watch the rest of your career as it as it moves forward. I mean, yeah, like you said, this this is the first one out of the gate, but you've been going for a, while, a long time. So. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's not like 2035. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, congrats again on the movie and thank you very much for the time. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Thanks for great, watching great and taking questions. the time. All right. I hope you all dug that. I really enjoyed that conversation. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show. Everybody have a great New Year's. I'm not sure what next week's schedule looks like quite yet. Um, we do have some fun episodes planned for the beginning of 2024. So yes, have a great, safe New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, all that. And uh, we'll talk to you at some point next week. So you can find more about Dumb Money at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday normally, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. 
You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.